How many of you have seen the movie Overcomer? It's not often that we can even mention a movie from the pulpit anymore. Amen? Overcomer is a dynamic movie. Can you say amen? One of the greatest presentations of the gospel message I've ever heard out of Hollywood. Amen? About, I don't know, a dozen of us yesterday ended up at the theater and watched it. And if you haven't seen it yet, it's well worth your time, your money, and your effort to go see it. And you better bring a box of Kleenex with you. I can why is that? <laughs> oh, yeah, like it didn't bother you, brother. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mike, you're so funny. <laughs> All right, let's reason together as a family. We'll take care of this housekeeping effort. Let's supply logic here, spiritual logic. That's what we'll call it. Tomorrow's a holiday, right? And the office is going to be closed, right? So. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to cancel uh, the Bible study, even though Ephesians showed up in that movie yesterday, didn't it? Isn't that great? Yeah, it did. But we, we can take, we've got three more lessons at least to do in Ephesians, and we can pick them up next Monday. So if we cancel Monday, what does that mean? Cancel Wednesday. Why? If you're a part of it, you know it's the same lesson we teach on Monday night. For those who can't be there on Monday night, they get a shot on Wednesday morning, right? Now, please forgive me. I have never, I've never done a study in my life where I'm up to over 100 pages of notes, right? Now, we're, we're going to make those available to every and anybody. You can use them in devotional, but we're working on it, okay? Um, I, I get to where uh, the, even the sermons that I'm writing now, God will give me a subject, and then I'll, I'll, I'll look inside to see over the years what has God said to me about the subject, and then it's a bunch of bullet points after that, right? And it still astonishes me to see things that, you know, God has said and God is saying, and God will say, amen, about his word. So I, I would imagine, you know, we're, we're going to print on two sides pages if we print it for you, or we can send it to you. But that's going to be quite a file to send you if uh, we send it to you on your computer. But I, I believe that everyone in the family needs to avail themselves to what God is saying to us about the book of Ephesians. I'm going to back up just a little bit so the people in the front row don't get a crick in their neck turning their head looking at me. All right, Nathan. By the way, pray for Nathan. I call him Dr. D. Dr. D has my laptop computer. And he is a man of faith, but he's telling me that the prognosis is not good. <laughs> but he says, don't give up, Dad. We're still working on it. And so uh, I've got my tiny little iPad Pro this morning. And so I gave a copy, uh, a hard copy of the notes to Roger, and I'll flash back to Roger if this dies or goes or breaks or whatever. And my other laptop is in surgery. It's not even in recovery yet. So um, having said all that, pray for Dr. D, <laughs> that God will help him with that laptop computer. There's a lot of information on that. The whole teaching on Ephesians is in it. Now, I've got it on here too, but I can't work on it on here like I can in that laptop. So here's what we're going to do. He's either going to get it fixed this week or God's just, we'll go buy a new one. Amen. Let's go buy a new one and 
we'll transfer everything over to it and we'll continue to work on Ephesian notes, right? We're f- almost finished, right? We're halfway through chapter 5. Has it been fun? Been good, been fun. But everybody's going to have it, whether it's been a busy summer, not everybody could avail themselves to it, but we're going to make it available. You can start the podcast now. That takes about five seconds. I could say just about anything I want for five seconds, then I've got to reel it in. All right. Let's pray again. Father, in Jesus' name, we want to thank you for what we're learning about worship. That it's not just the four or five or six songs we sing on Sunday morning, but it's a way of life. It's about relationship. It's about the family. Father, it's about reaching out to you because of who you are, not necessarily what you have done. Yes, Father, we're, we're quick to praise you for what you've done. We're quick to worship you for what you've done. But, Father, maturity in this area, the sign shows up when we just worship you and praise you just for being there, Father, just for being who you are, because you are certainly deserving, Father. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We ask in Jesus' name that you'll open us up, that you'll pour your word into us, and you will cause it to change our lives. In Christ's name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Message number two is on the benefits of worship. Now, after I just prayed what I just prayed, you know, what we're talking about here this morning has to do with what happens when we build a relationship with Father? But it cannot be the reason why we build a relationship with Father. There are benefits. I mean, things are going to happen in your life just by getting close to Father. Amen? But that cannot be the reason. It cannot be the motive. And only Father can help you to know what the difference is. It is funny. You know, when we really start to get into the things of the Word of God that will change our lives. We have to stay in close contact with Father, asking Him in the name of Jesus for the Holy Spirit to help us separate out the weeds. Down in the south, we call it heading off on a pig trail. Easy to do, you know. But if we are people of prayer, if we are people that constantly talk to God about our hearing, amen, our spiritual hearing, our spiritual eyes, our spiritual understanding. Father will help us by the power of His Spirit to learn it the right way and to do it the right way. If you don't have confidence in your ability to get it done, good. I don't have any confidence in my ability to get it done on just about anything. (laughs) Name the subject. But I have a great deal of confidence in Father. Can you say amen? Message two, the benefits of worship. Turn in your Bibles to Psalms 16 and put your finger on verse 11. Psalm 16, verse 11. I'll give you time to get there. Let's don't rush a good thing. Amen? Oh, I love hearing the pages turn because... Hardly anybody carries a a Bible book that you can turn the pages in nowadays. It's all on a computer. It's quick and easy, right? But somehow it just doesn't look or sound the same. Amen? Yeah, we can make an app for that. I I started to say it, but yeah, William, you did it. You nailed it. Psalm 16, verse 11. You. Who's the you? 
you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of what? You sure it's not happiness? Nope, can't be happiness. Happiness is a fickle thing, amen? But the joy of the Lord is our strength, amen? It never changes with the stock market. It doesn't change if it doesn't rain. It doesn't change if it, you know, does rain, amen? The joy of the Lord is the steadiest thing you're ever going to come across in your life, amen? It doesn't yield. It doesn't bend. It doesn't break with the pressures of life. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. You know, there are people that think this world is a lot of fun. And, and you know what? The Bible says that even sin for a season, there's pleasure in it. But it doesn't last, and it exacts a price. Amen? But the pleasures that God provides are going to be forever. I have a message goal here. The goal of this message is to help us to understand the many wonderful benefits that come from worship and from spending time in God's presence while we do not desire God's presence so that we might gain the benefits. They're the result of spending time with him. Those are the kind of things you just got to let happen. Amen? Because if you spend time with him, they're going to happen. We just get out of focus. Amen? How many of you know that, that there, there are mothers within this church that have raised children on their own and done a good job? I mean, they, they have sought God's help. They've sought God's face. But how much easier is it in a child's life when there is a mother and a father? Amen? When there's a mother and a father, the father can have a tremendous positive influence in a child's life. And I don't have to dwell on this long for you to get the, to get the, uh, the gist of what I'm saying here. There's a benefit for us with father being in our life. Amen? It's a positive influence. Father's influence is positive. I raised three children. I loved them. I took care of them. I prayed over them. I, they grew up in, in our church, right? I was their pastor for more of their lives than I wasn't, right? But I'm no good at it, not compared to him, amen? But it is true that an earthly father is very important to children. How much more so is the presence of the heavenly father in the lives of God's children? Even a child raised without an earthly father can be okay if father is in their lives amen the more we spend time in father's presence the more likely we are to find ourselves enjoying more of the wonderful benefits of his proximity to our lives the less time we spend in his presence the less likely we are to enjoy and benefit from all that he wants to offer us as a father who loves to be with his children see that's the thing we don't know that's the thing we can't grasp. An infinite God, a God that is so full of wonderful, tremendous love for us, it's, it's impossible for us to comprehend it. It's very difficult to think that there is this Father in heaven that, you know, he can do anything. But he chose to make people. You know, I'm not smart enough to argue with him, but somehow that sounds, you know, where something maybe is lacking or whatever. But no, Father made a plan to save us before he made us. Amen. 
God loved us before the foundation of the world. Amen. Made a plan for us and hid that plan in Christ. The devil, even Jesus said, had the devil known what the outcome of my death would be, he never would have touched me. I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically it. He never would have laid a finger on me. But the prize was hidden in Christ. Amen. Isn't that exciting? So this God, our Father, makes mankind, and there is a certain percentage of mankind that's going to choose to believe him, choose to love him, choose to accept him, and he thrives on it. You know, my father, my father in Texas, 84 years old, and my heart aches that I can't get down to see him. And even my wonderful stepfather, God gave me a, 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 you know, I have a godly father and I have a godly stepfather in my life. And these elderly guys uh, had this tremendous influence on me growing up. And my heart aches that I can't spend time with them like I would like to, you know. But every time we're on the phone together, we talk about the things of God, you know. What's God doing? How you doing? You know, what's up? You know, what's going on? And they, I can tell, they love to hear my voice. And I love to hear their voice. And I get caught up on things that are going on in their lives. And that's the, that's the connection, right? I can't see them, you know, but I can talk to them. And they make my life richer, right? Father feels the same way about us, Amen. When we worship, we open up ourselves to receiving more of what God has to offer us. Now, let's be clear. How many times are we going to say it? Many times. God should be worshipped first and foremost because he is God. He deserves to be worshipped because of who he is. Can you say amen? When I catch myself getting it wrong, I pause and I ask, Father, you know, I need help. This is difficult. <laughs> it's hard, right? to separate what he does for us from our love for him and adoration. But we need to. Amen? When we do worship him because of who he is and what he's done, and when we spend time in his presence because it is what he deserves and what we need, then many benefits will overflow into our lives from that time spent with him, but we need to just let it happen. It shouldn't be the goal. We need time with our Heavenly Father, and we can only find the deepest kind of happiness, purpose, and meaning in our lives when we have a deep and intimate connection with Him. Worship can be a place where that connection is strengthened, and we receive so many of the blessings He intends to shower on us anyway. Now, I want to explore. Let's just explore some of the benefits. Let's get a real crystal clear picture of what happens in our lives when we worship Him. Kind of a paradox, isn't it? Let's explore these benefits. The first one are, listen to this, the emotional benefits of God's presence. Now, I will tell you that this is, this is a touchy subject because I've been with groups of people before that were overbalanced in this and was all about the emotions. That's not a good thing. Amen? To be, just be driven by emotion alone is not a good thing. But how many of you know there's balance in it too? We were created in the image of God, which means that he's subject to the whole array of emotions. Jesus is subject to these whole array of emotions that we are subject to. They just handle it better. 
They handle it differently. And what does Ephesians teach us above all else? Be ye therefore imitators of God. Handle it like he handles it. You'll never be out of balance. Amen. In Psalm 1611, I'll read it again. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. Worship changes our emotional state. Worship changes our emotional state. You cannot find joy by looking for joy. Listen to this. You find joy by being in an environment of joy. As a child of God, if you're feeling emotionally off-center and down, how many of you have ever suffered from, everyone's been depressed and discouraged before, haven't we? As a child of God, if you're feeling emotionally off-center and down, it might just be that you are in the wrong place. I'm not talking about here. (laughs) I'm talking about the place where you are in your life right now. You know, in Psalm 34, 4, it says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. Fear is an emotion. Can you say amen? And goes on to say in verse 5, they looked to him and were radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. The psalmist goes into God's presence filled with fears, but when those fears see God, they run away. The fears run away. Instead of fear, it's replaced with radiance. Why? What was the difference? One moment, the person steeped and buried in fears, William, but the next moment, their face is radiant. You know what changed them? Truth. Amen? Truth changed them. In times of great stress and suffering, when he is down and discouraged and feeling hopeless, David finds his hope renewed through praise, for he knows that in God's presence, things begin to change. Like David, instead of looking inside, we should look up. We should shift our focus from our problems onto God. He can meet every need. We should hang around what makes us joyful and fulfilled if we want to be joyful and fulfilled. Amen? We become like what we worship. And you know what that, that, that tells us a lot about? Worship is Uh, worshiping something is putting our focus on something what we're focused on that's what we're going to become i wrote this verse of scripture out second kings 17 verses 15 and 16 says they despised his statutes and his covenant that he made with their fathers and the warnings that he gave them they went after false idols now watch this they went after false idols and became false. They went after false idols and became what they went after. They became false, and they followed the nations that were around them, concerning whom the Lord had commanded them that they should not do like them, and they abandoned all the commandments of the Lord their God and made for themselves metal images of two calves, and they made an Asherah and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served Baal. You know, that's one of the signs of the end time that they'll worship the creation over the creator. You know, you know what? I just don't, I don't play around with those things, you know. I don't play around with those things. Uh, people can ask me, what's your sign? Well, I got a Bible here. 
you know, and that's, that's my sign. I mean, I ain't got nothing else, right? I don't know about reading the stars and tea leaves and all that kind of stuff. You know, I don't joke about it too much because there's serious problems with that. It opens doors to other things we got no business opening ourselves up to. Open yourself up to the Word of God. Amen? Second benefit of worship is the directional benefit of God's presence. The directional benefits of God's presence. When we're in God's presence, we're in the best place to receive guidance and direction for our lives. One of the people that came to my heart and mind when I got to this point was over and over again was Isaiah. Isaiah this, Isaiah that. When Isaiah needs God's guidance for his life, he gets it by being in God's presence and being honest about his own inadequacies. Isaiah doesn't ask for advice of a whole bunch of people about what he should do. He just went straight to God. I like that about Isaiah. You know, in Revelation chapter 1, though some of the greatest words you can read in Revelation about John, who God used to write the book, he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. I don't even know why I put the rest of it up there. It doesn't matter about what I'm telling you. John was exiled on the Isle of Patmos. He couldn't go anywhere. He was a prisoner, but he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And, and, and look at the list of excuses that will keep us from being in the Spirit on the Lord's day. I, I couldn't even start the list. It'd be... If you're wanting to hear God speak, there's no better place to be than in worship. His still, small voice is waiting for you to listen. Amen? In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Am I leading you astray? Solid word, amen? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect. Amen? In no better direction than that. Can you say amen? This tells us that when we present ourselves to God, that we will be transformed. God's guidance is given in his presence. God will steer us toward the place he wants us to be. Point number three. There's relational benefits of God's presence. The relational benefits of God's presence. Being in the presence of God with others changes our relationships with them. Being in the presence of God with others changes our relationships with them. God's presence can bring harmony and unity. Ephesians chapter 4 reminds us of how important the unity of the Spirit is. It is not a unity we create, but one where God himself knits us together. Kathy, what's God doing in this church? Uniting us. Only God can do that. We talk about family all the time. We're looking out for each other. We're praying for each other. We're learning names of each other that we didn't know before. Amen? We're learning, too, that there are, are, are it, at the drop of a hat, we will pray. Amen? And God's doing some great things. 
All of that is put together by God. We don't care the way we're caring unless God helps us. Amen? The powerful witness, listen to this very carefully. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, Peter stands up, preaches for 12 minutes, and 3,000 people get saved. Now, you know how strong I am, how strong I am on the importance of the word of God being preached, right? It, it, you know, it's, it's my calling. That's where I fit in the five-fold ministry, pastor, teacher, amen? No arguments there. No one, no one would stand to me and says, I don't think so. No, I teach and preach the word of God, right? And I'm very strong on it. And I also talk about how important it is that we have a worship service that leads up to that and builds up to that. Now, if I, I'm not going, I'm not trying to trick you. I'm not trying to play games with you. I'm going to make a comment. I won't even ask a question. But there are many people, and I heard this in, I heard this in Bible college, I remember, that the early church was born on that sermon. But that is not true. There was a prayer meeting that led up to the sermon over here. The early church was born in a prayer meeting. This sermon was a result of the birth of the church in a prayer meeting. I'm telling you, it don't get no better than this. This shouting material, if you don't feel this, you're twice dead and plucked up by the roots. That's an, that's an Old Testament phrase from the King James Version that I dearly love, Right? No, I'm going to tell you, it, it amazes me as a man of God, and I say those words humbly, what doesn't move people nowadays. I'm getting old, and I was an old tough cop, and I was in a lot of fights, and I didn't cry over nothing, really. But God led me back to the pulpit and back to full-time ministry, and, and I cried at the drop of a hat. That movie was hard on your pastor yesterday. When you see the movie, you'll understand this phrase, I kept wanting to look for an inhaler I didn't own. <laughs> you have to see the movie to understand why I said that, right? I mean, it just so moved me, right? The powerful witness of the early church, the early church arose from being in one accord through praying together. That's what happened first. The Holy Ghost fell on the group at a prayer meeting. Then the sermon was preached. And God didn't wait to birth that church with the 3,000. He just added daily to the church as he saw fit. Look, I, I will tell you this. If I could just get the 40-something of us now together to get in step with this prayer life where we get right with God. We get right with God and our prayers become more unified. God will add daily to the church as he sees fit. Amen? All right, number four, the judicial benefit of God's presence. Psalm 149 speaks of singing and praising and even dancing in worship. In the midst of that activity, the psalmist writes that God will execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples. And specifically, I studied that because I'm telling you, you know, God's displeased with sin, whether it's in a child of God or an unbeliever. He's not happy with it, right? And he judges sin. So be careful. Don't play around in the fire, in that fire. It burn you. Amen? So, I encourage people, stick with God. You got a problem, let God help you with it. Amen? 
Because you evidently got a problem that's very difficult to quit. We call that an addiction, but only God is the answer to addiction. Amen? But there's a judicial benefit of God's presence. In the midst of activity, the psalmist writes that activity. The psalmist writes that God will execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples. When we need justice in our lives, the best place for us to go is into God's presence. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus taught about church discipline, and he says that when two or three of you are gathered together in his name, he's in their midst. Amen? Notice the context of this often misunderstood verse. This is a promise that comes in a section where he is talking about dealing with people who are sinning. Right? Do you remember that? I really don't want to have to go and read the whole story to you. It's, but he was talking about dealing with people that bring sin into the church. No, and, and everyone knows it. It's out there. It's public. Church has to deal with it. There was a guy sleeping with his stepmother in the church. It's right in the Bible. I didn't make that up. It's a shame that we got to talk about stuff like that. But, but the... Uh, Paul was getting on to him. You let it happen. You didn't say anything. You didn't do anything. You did not deal with it, right? Authority is dispensed when God's people gather together to follow him. I remember Hutch, Pastor Hutch, a great big Bible church in uh, Seattle, Washington. Hutch was a former football player for the Seattle Seahawks, Seahawks, and God called him to ministry, and he pastored this big mega church in the Seattle area. He was in Kirkland, Washington. They rented a high school gym and filled it up three times on Sunday, right? So the first time I get the chance to meet Pastor Hutch, I'm in service, but what have they got to do? They've got to deal with the problem of sin in the church. But I'm telling you, he said, open up your Bibles, look at such and such, and then he followed the Word of God and dealt with the sin in the church, right? I thought, wow, you don't see that every day, you know? And how many of you know that's not popular? It's not popular. Pastor Hutch was faithful and God dealt with the problem. When we gather under Jesus' authority, he will bring justice and needed correction. He will execute righteousness. And if he's not executing righteousness in our midst and in our presence in our lives, is he really here? Now, I'm going to tell you, I know he's here. But I want him to be even deeper. I don't want Jesus just skin deep. Amen? I want all. I like the little kid said, my name is Jimmy. I want all you will give me. You know, when it comes to the things of God. Right? Number five, there are the circumstantial benefits of God's presence. Listen to this because you, you think that kind of sounds weird. But no, listen to it when you get the first bullet statement. The presence of God can change our circumstances for the better. Psalm 68 lists a number of situations that can be overcome through praise. If you're lonely, if you're orphaned, if you're imprisoned, or in need of a change in the weather like Elijah, you should praise God. If you are poor, if you're surrounded by enemies, if you're burdened or in need of deliverance, you should praise God. Amen? You know, Hezekiah was told, you know, by the prophet, you're going to die. Prophet leaves. What's Hezekiah do? He prays. 
Hezekiah is told by the prophet that he's going to die, but Hezekiah turns toward God, and God reverses the decision. So, wow, I didn't know God ever changed his mind. Then you're not a student of the Word of God. <laughs> there were times that he made a decision. It's so funny to watch God and Moses sometimes dealing with the children of Israel because both Moses and God at one time or another accused the other one. <laughs> Those people, those stiff-necked people you brought up out of Egypt, and even God said it one time to Moses. How I many of you know God can say whatever he wants to say, right? But it was more often that Moses said to God, why do you, you, you burden me with these people, right? Welcome to the ministry, Moses. In 2 Kings chapter 20, verses 1 through 7, Hezekiah is told by the prophet that he's going to die. But Hezekiah turns toward God, and God reverses his decision, and Hezekiah lived for what, 15 more years? That's pretty good to go from I'm dying tonight to getting 15 more years. God said, okay, I've heard your prayer. I'm giving you 15 more years. How many of you believe that because he knew he had 15 more years, life became different for Hezekiah? In God's presence, even God can change his own mind. There are many examples in the Scripture. Moses, Jonah, more Moses, right? Moses happened for Moses, happened for Joshua. Time stopped. Amen? God stopped time, right? All of the accounts uh, in the Bible, in the Word of God, where God stopped time, literally, add up to the same amount of time and reason why we have leap year every year to adjust the calendar to make up for the period of time that God stopped time. And people will tell you God is dead. No. Every minute that ticks off of the clock is a testimony that God is alive. Number six, the spiritual benefits of God's presence. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 tells us that in the presence of God, we can be transformed from glory to glory. I don't have a lot to say about that. I mean, and, and because the form that that takes, that's up to God. I can't, I can't describe the parameters. So I wrote, in his presence, we become new. We become new. Amen. In that spirit, man, old things pass away. All things become new. We want the outside to eventually match what God has done on the inside. Only God can do that. But we need to let him. If we let him, he will do it. If we don't let him, it isn't like we're going to have an excuse. We will be without excuse you know i think about all these messages you know it's been a good summer for the word in this church it's been a good summer for the children of god and I, you say well wow man that guy's boasting no i'm not I, i'm not boasting i'm boasting on god i'm not smart enough to do any of this or to come up with all this i gotta have help amen you know what it reminded me of how many of you like banana nut bread you know there's some good ingredients that go in banana nut bread right Good. But my grandmother, she waited till the bananas were brown. Now, now, when she made the bread, man, you didn't know the bananas were like on the verge of garbage can world, right? You know? 
and, and, and some of the ingredients that go into making banana nut bread by themselves don't taste very good. But put all together, mixed all together, right? They become one substance, amen? My wife said, yeah, but you know, you can pick the nuts out. I went, Ruthie, you're missing the point of the message. <laughs> you're missing the point because I don't pick the nuts out, the pecans out of my banana nut bread. <laughs> you know, Ruthie has a sense of humor. She's just trying to be funny. Now, I didn't tell her this, but that was funny. <laughs> I said, when you make banana nut bread, you have to take all the ingredients and serve them in together thoroughly. When you do that, all the separate ingredients become one substance and a tasty one at that. I had to throw that in. My grandmother, she would take old bananas, you know, and make banana nut bread. And, man, if you could just be there when it came out of the oven. You know, we've been talking a lot lately about what smells good to God, you know. And the things that smell good to God are really kind of different than the things that smell good to us. But it's giving me appreciation for this sense God gave me, you know. How was, reassuring was it when you were a child, if you were fortunate enough to have this kind of home where when you came home, you hit the front door and you could smell supper cooking? That wasn't only, you know, heartwarming. It, it, get, it was peaceful. There was something about it that was reassuring, you know. It smelled good. It takes a lot of work to bring all the elements together, but they can be blended into something wonderful. The goal of each separate ingredient needs to become part of a bigger whole by being stirred together to make something better in combination than each of the individual ingredients that go into the recipe. Look at somebody near you and say, I'm part of the recipe. Go ahead. You can do it. Take a moment. You're part of the recipe. How many have ever ran into a young person that was excited about a new job and they would say to you I got this new job and what was the first question you might want to ask them you might want to ask them say they're close to you and, it, and you can ask without saying it's none of your business right you say well what's the pay you know if you're comfortable with the with the young person and they excitedly will tell you you know whatever it is you know and so you get a guy my age there's another question that I'll ask What's the benefit package? Why? Why? And, and most kids go, why? Well, I, I, I didn't think about asking about a benefits package. I said, let me tell you something. Before I take a job, I look at the hourly rate, I look at that financial package, and I look at the benefits package. Because the financial package will help deal with my needs today, but the benefits package deals with today and moving forward that's why that's why jesus christ really in reality i i almost hate to say this is almost cringeworthy but he's so much more than just a savior he's so much more that little girl they got saved in that movie i don't want to ruin it for you but she goes to the word of god i'm going to narrow this down she goes to the Word of God, and she starts writing down because someone asked her a simple question. Who are you? Several people in the movie were asked the question, who are you, and they didn't have the right answer. They didn't know the answer. There's people in this room today that don't know the answer. 
That movie was good. It was good, right? Go see the movie. Go see the movie. All right, here's what I wrote about that. Consider the benefits. If we're thinking about taking a new job, one of the most important issues we'll be looking at, the benefit packages being offered. Sure, salary is a critical factor. But to examine the full compensation, we must take the benefits into consideration. The amount of salary only tells you what we'll get right now, but the benefits tells us what we'll get in the long run. Health benefits and retirement benefits are about making our future secure as well. Amen? In the presence of God, we learn about the ultimate benefit package. Amen? How many of you have heard Dr. Tony Evans? Man, what a guy, right? When, when he speaks, I write. I got some quotes here from him. He said, when joy has escaped you, it's time to worship. He said, when life has crushed in on you, it is time to worship. He says, when the devil has robbed you of joy, it's time to worship. It's time to worship. Why? And this is me again, referring back to the church began in a prayer and praise meeting, not a preaching service. Preaching services are good. Amen? They're good. But if, if that's all you have, and the people aren't worshiping, and they don't spend time in worship, and I'm not talking about what happens here in 20 minutes one day a week. Once again, if this is the only word you get, it was one 30 to 40-minute session a week, you're starving. You're going hungry, right? You're malnourished. I, I mean, I'd like to tell you, yeah, this one boost a week for me will be good. No, no. It helps because I'm telling you, this is, this is premium word. It's premium word. I have no doubt about what I'm telling you, right? But look, what, one of the most important points of this message is about the relational benefit of God's presence. There are people that I have counseled that, that don't even, they don't know, they're not able to put it into words, but they don't build on a personal relationship with God because they fear that if they speak to him, he will not speak back. Or that they won't be able to hear him. Or they won't get it right. Or they won't do it right. You need to let me hear the toilet flush. You need to flush and walk away from that stinking thinking. Because God wants to hear from you. And he's not about to ignore you. He's not about to ignore you. He loves you. He's not going to ignore you. So in closing, the warnings you got from my children about those words in closing are real. Okay? No. Let me say this to you. How many times in our lives have we plugged in and we've gotten locked in and we're reading the word and we're praising God and we're worshiping. We're hearing from the Lord. We move forward only to be derailed at some point along the way. The danger of that is it's almost harder for people who have been through that than it is for people coming into it the very first time. 
I'm a firearms instructor. I, take, I don't do it anymore, but I take people out to the shooting range, and I say, how many of you never fired a gun before in your life? Raise your hand. I love those people. I love them. Because I was going to take them from square one, teach them what they needed to do, and march them forward. I didn't have to tear down old things and then start to rebuild. I didn't have any old habits to deal with. I could feed them new, better habits. Same's true in the children of God. It's sad to see what life has gotten away with and what the devil's gotten away with in the lives of people. This pains me to say this. It hurts me. But people that should know better, they've tasted it. They've been in his presence before. But here's the thing that God wants to break through this morning. He did not go anywhere. He didn't go away. He didn't leave you. He didn't forsake you. He wants to pick up where y'all left off the last time you were together. Amen? I'm tempted every time I'm with you to talk so much about how Ruthie and I love you, but that pales in comparison. Father loves you so much more. And he wants to help us. Amen. That's why I pray without ceasing about the family. Asking God to hold us, hold us close, move us forward, help us with our lives. Amen.